This is Coach Colette, welcoming you to another episode of Let's Talk. How would you define yourself? What labels might you use to describe yourself? These are a couple of the questions that were posed during this episode of Let's Talk on identity and mental health. We were in part inspired by the fact that this is Minority Mental Health Month. And Mental Health America has a hashtag called Depth of My Identity because they are seeking to expand the definition of minority to include more marginalized and underserved groups. And this relates to intersectionality also, which is how different forms of discrimination can combine or intersect or overlap and then affect different marginalized groups. So what does this have to do with mental health? Well, this is what we talk about. We also talked about how perceptions of others impact your mental health. So as a Black woman, as a Black female entrepreneur, as a coach, as a facilitator, as a daughter, as a woman, there are all sorts of labels that I can assign to myself. And I define my identity on a lot of different levels. And it's only been recently that I have started to think about this because as the national conversation grows around it, I've realized that those different aspects of my identity are important to me. And I've noticed that people's perceptions of me based on those identities has impacted me differently throughout my life. So these are some of the things that we talk about. It's me and my Start Within team, and it's another candid conversation. So I hope that you are inspired and motivated to think about your own identity and also to think about how some of these aspects have impacted your mental health. Stay tuned until the end because we also do share our thoughts and tips on ways that you can support your mental health, which we definitely think is something that is very important. So get ready and listen up. July was designated as Minority Mental Health Awareness Month back in 2008 to bring awareness to the unique struggles that underrepresented groups face in regard to mental illness in the United States. Today I have with me the Start Within team. I'm Samaya. I'm Wendy. I'm Candice. And Colette here. So today we will discuss how identities have impacted our mental health. So to, start, to start the discussion off, what labels would you use to describe yourself? Um, I would describe myself as Chinese American and a college student, and I'm also first generation. Yeah, I think I'd say first generation Korean American, um, college student, probably say female, she, her. 
Um, I am an African-American woman. I am an entrepreneur. I am an only child. Uh, <laughs> I could keep going, and I'm sure we'll talk more about it. How about you? Um, I would describe myself as being a woman, a Muslim, Somali, a friend, daughter, sister. But I often feel like, you know, how we choose to label ourselves becomes like an adamant part of who we are, but sometimes we don't always get the luxury to choose. Very often our existence is defined by the labels society places on us, which leads me to our next question. How have the perceptions of others impacted you and your mental health? For me, I don't really like to talk about when, I don't like to talk about my failures. So whenever I don't get something I wanted or I fail at something, I don't like to really talk about it to people because I don't want to spread that kind of negativity. And because that's the way I am, I don't like to share negativity. People perceive me as somebody who's always happy, who always gets what she wants, or like whenever she tries to get something, she always gets it. So that kind of perception is really hard on me sometimes because just because I don't talk about certain things, it doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, people have this perception that I get everything I want because I don't talk about times when I don't get what I want because I don't want them to see me that way or I don't like sharing my struggles with other people. What do you think, why do you think that is or have you thought about that? Um, I usually talk about things that stress me out or things that make me upset with my parents, not really my friends. Although I do rely on my friends for, like, emotional support, I don't like to bring them down from, like, the stresses that I'm feeling. So I usually share that with my parents because I feel a stronger bond with them in that way. So sometimes people don't really understand, like, different things I share with different people. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot because I feel like a lot of times, same as you, like, a lot of times I'm more on the receiving side. So I guess people would perceive me as being, oh, you're a really good listener, you're really easy to talk to and you're really nice and really caring and that's great things to be labeled and for be, to be perceived as someone who is like that but I feel like everyone has days or there's days where I'm a little annoyed at everything I just like kind of want to sleep I needed more sleep or I'm hungry and I'm like hangry or something or something's off that I kind of just like and maybe I don't really have the energy to listen to all of that but I keep feeling like even if I don't want to, I kind of still have to because the second I'm a little less enthusiastic or a little less caring, it's like, oh, is something wrong with you today? Did something happen? And it's kind of that kind of pressure to keep up what other people perceive you as, even though it should be perfectly, perfectly okay not to. I think the perceptions that people have of you is a two-sided coin. So there's like the positive perceptions and then there's the negative ones. Um, Either way, I feel like they do have an impact on my mental health. So like Wendy said, the, you know, being known as either like super outgoing or like a strong person or that friend that everyone can like rely on is very hard for you when you are in like a very dark moment or you are going through depression and anxiety. It's like in a sense of if you do show that vulnerability, you're no longer perceived as like that strong friend or that person that people can rely on. And so you feel like you don't really have that space or that outlet to show that side of you. And that's how I feel like that perception is necessarily positive, but is negative towards like your mental health. 
And then in the negative sense, I feel like with the labels, like I said, that people define you as can have a negative perception on like your mental health. So depending on which labels, for instance, like if you're a woman, having like the perception of she's emotional is like that can have a negative impact on your mental health because every time you do feel a certain type of way, you can't really share that or you can't express that because you feel like you're perpetuating that label or you're kind of like feeding into that stereotype in a sense. Yeah, I think for me as a coach, there's the professional side and then there's also as me as a black woman, the personal side. And I've actually had conversations on this podcast. I did a podcast about uh, the strong black woman stereotype. And I feel like that is often the case that um, as, a, as a black woman, right, you know, it's like, oh, you're holding it all down. You don't really need help. You've got this all under control. And, and I think for me, so that's the personal side. And then being a coach and an entrepreneur, right, I'm the coach. I'm the person that holds space for everyone. I do the circles. I do all of these things. So I find for me the challenge is, right, where are the safe spaces where I can be like, yeah, I had a crappy day or I'm hangry or I'm sleepy or that deal didn't go through. And where can I share that honestly and not have it reflect on like what I do, right? Like me having that moment does not mean that I can't be your coach or I can't be a facilitator. Or I can't do these other things. And I feel like I can tell like, and it's interesting because not, no one necessarily says it, right? No one necessarily says anything, but sometimes I have that feeling of like, oh, wow, is someone, is someone forming an opinion about me based on that one moment in time versus like who I am as a person. Um, I think it's interesting because I know this is part of this Minority Mental Health Month, the depth of my identity, right, was what is the theme. And so I think it is interesting, at least for me, to think about also, right, what are the perceptions of a particular, whether, like you said, female, emotional, or a particular ethnic group or race or other things, or young people, old people, right? Like, there are different perceptions that people have of others that have nothing to do with you as who you are, but have to do with the category that they have put you in. Has anyone had like that experience where you feel like, oh, someone was judging me, not on me, but what they either saw or perceived? Yeah, I think on, the, on like a broad scale, one of the most common kind of stereotypes for Asian people would be, oh, you're really, like you're good at math, you're good at science. And I think especially, I don't know if it, it might not apply to every single Asian person, but for me personally, it creates kind of that divide of like on one hand, I get defensive of like, that's a stereotype. I don't have to be good at math. Like what if, so what if I'm not like, it should be okay for me not to. But then on the other hand, it kind of develops a kind of like stubbornness to want to be good to live up to that stereotype and show them that like, like, could because it kind of feels like if I'm wrong, if I'm not good at math, then it kind of becomes like, oh, why aren't you? So to kind of deflect that, it makes me want to be and try to be, like, match that stereotype. But on the other hand, I don't want to play into it. Mm -hmm. So it kind of creates that struggle. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that Asian, like, Asian stereotype in that career-wise, it feels like you were brought up to 
uh, fulfill certain stereotypes of careers that you're supposed to pursue. So when I was younger, I thought, oh, maybe I'm going to be a doctor or some kind of scientist or engineer. But slowly, my interests started to change. And I realized that I was more interested in the business side and not that many people in my family did business or consulting or any finance related uh, industry. So that was a struggle in itself because not only am I breaking that kind of stereotype, but there's nobody to really look up to because that my, I can't speak for all families, but my family didn't really have that kind of route, I guess. So speaking to those kinds of stereotypes, is really hard, but you just have to kind of find your own way and be okay with not fulfilling what other people think about you. More often, I feel like the labels that like I identify with become like the elephant in the room every time I walk in because I'm always usually the only Muslim person, the only black person, or the only woman that encompasses those two identities. And so I feel as if I'm always categorized and put into this like either like danger, like stay away from her in a sense, Mm -hmm. or in a sense of I become that token person So I have to sit here and speak on all of those identities and more times like anything, any topic comes up that is happening in the world and all eyes are on me to speak on it. So I feel like continuously I have to uphold this certain image of myself where I have to be the best possible version of myself because suddenly I'm representing all of those huge identities. And so I feel like that is a huge weight on my shoulders and that has in fact like affected my mental health over the years. But in a sense, I try to take a positive sense to it because like I am black, I am Muslim, I am a woman. And so I would rather be encompass those like that positive attributes because people very rarely come across people like me in a sense, like they only see me on TV or rarely actually do they see me on TV. It's always like they see me or see representations of who I am on the news, and that always has like a negative connotation towards it. So in real life, when people do meet someone like me, it's like I have to be that best possible version of myself just to sit here and say like, not all of us in a sense are not, we're not all bad. Sometimes, like this might diverge a little bit, but sometimes I get kind of surprised by how much people base their opinions of people on the news like I get it on one hand because it is what you're seeing on the media it's what it's like what you're seeing and that's what you're getting but on the other hand it's the news there's a reason why it's on there it's the news because it's something shocking it's something that needs to be shared like it's you don't put daily life on the news you put things that are newsworthy on the news those are the outliers so to think that people use that as their basis to judge, form their opinions on like entire nationalities, entire countries, based off what they see on what is the headline. Sometimes it just amazes me. Yeah, I mean, well, right back in the day, it used they used to say like if it bleeds, it leads, right? Because it was this aspect of sensationalism. I think there's news, and then there's also media. There's entertainment too, you know. So whether it's TV or movies, and like the lack of diversity in those forms and including the news right like whether or not you grew up seeing someone who looks like you reporting the news right not just being the subject of the news but did you see someone reporting the news or or 
being in a movie or being on a TV show, right? Like we, we can't minimize the impact that that has on our perceptions of how people are or what we think of them. Uh, to Samaya's point, I think I, I definitely have also had that experience of being the only woman or the only person of color in a room. And, and I feel like I have, I almost want to say flip the script. Like I, I would never, I can't say that I'm not aware of how I'm perceived or what might be going through someone's mind when I do walk in, but I walk in like I own that room anyway, and that has just come over time. And I guess in some ways it's, it maybe started as a defense, but now it's become just who I am. Like I walk in, I mean, I do facilitation. I go around the country, right? I go to places where, right people aren't necessarily expecting a black woman to be their facilitator and then there I am and I launch into the content like and this is what we're going to do and so it's that sense of for me it's a way of, of staying grounded in myself and then if someone else has a problem with that well that's that really doesn't have anything to do with me and I think at least on a professional setting that's easier or somewhat easier um, sometimes I guess on a personal situation right you know like say you're go with someone or you go to a certain neighborhood like I might go somewhere and be like oh I'll be sitting in a restaurant or in a bar or whatever and I'm the only person of color or I'm the only black woman in the room right it'll depend on how the vibe feels like I'm very also big on energy like does the energy feel good or do I feel like I'm uncomfortable and maybe I don't want to be in this situation so I think because I guess in, in today's day and age, we can't minimize personal safety, right? We need to make sure that we do feel safe. Much as I don't like to say that, like I don't like to say that I want to feel scared or feel, you know, like being somewhere that makes me uncomfortable, but I also have to be realistic about, particularly if I'm by myself, like what, where am I, who's around me, and does this seem like a safe environment? I hope that you are enjoying this episode of Let's Talk. I wanted to share some information about a healing technique that you hear me mention in my episodes. It's EFT or Emotional Freedom Technique. It's also known as tapping because you are tapping on acupuncture points on your body. Why is this important? Because it can help you to reduce stress or anxiety. It's also really helpful to rewrite those limiting beliefs that you may still be carrying from previous traumatic experiences, even things like microaggressions. I can help you with that. Go to my website, startwithincoaching.com, and at the top, click on Book Online. Scroll until you'll see Reset Your Mindset with EFT, and you can book a private virtual session with me. I'll teach you what all the tapping points are, and we'll spend the session beginning to unravel and rewrite those limiting beliefs. Startwithincoaching.com, book online, and book your private EFT session so we can release and let go of those limiting beliefs. So 
moving on to our next question, how would you say that you guys have encountered stigma as a person of color within your community? I think for me, my family, like I, of course, at school in our health class, and maybe touch on it a little bit, not really, not to college, but within my family, it was never brought up. Uh, like we didn't really, it, it's, it's not necessarily in my family, not necessarily like directed badly, but it was just never, it was assumed to never be an issue, never to be something that really would happen unless a traumatic event occurred. So we never talked about it. It wasn't necessarily until later in life, like my mom, she struggles with insomnia and she takes medication for it. So she, of course, would talk about like, if I talked to her about like, oh, I'm overthinking things and that didn't happen until college, I start opening up to her about things like that. And then she would say, oh, it's because you're like me and like like my family, like my side of the family, those kind of things run, like we tend to think a lot, but it was never addressed as necessarily something like a mental health issue. It was just a diagnosis, like insomnia, you have it, it's something that runs in the family. So it's never kind of, it was just assumed not to be an issue. I can relate to that a lot because in my household, we don't talk about mental health as being something like a problem. We, my parents usually focus on more physical problems, like your actual like health according to your body, not really according to your mind because they kind of assume that, well, if you're working too hard and you're getting stressed out because you're working too hard, you should stop working so hard. But then they also have the expectation that you should get good grades and you should stay on top of your game. But then they also don't equate staying on top of your game with also hard work because those two go hand in hand. And it's really hard to keep a good balance, but then not having them give their kids like a way to protect their mental health because it's not really talked about in the family. And it's interesting because it makes me wonder, is it because my parents never experienced it themselves, like having a mental health issue. And is that why that they don't really talk about it with me? I think I'm, I consider myself not to struggle with mental health because I take breaks and I understand when's my limit. And whenever I feel like I'm at the limit where I'm really, really, really stressed out, I always do something about it. Like I take a break and I go watch funny YouTube videos and I just go talk to my friends or like, go hang out, like I take a break from it, which I think really helps me in maintaining that balance in my life, which I really like recommend to other people too. Like you don't have to feel like you have to continue running on this treadmill. Like you don't have to keep going. You can't actually take a break and it's totally fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd say in my family, we didn't talk about mental health specifically. Like when I can think of, you know, like I know that hypertension or high blood pressure runs in the family. I know that diabetes runs on one side of my father's family. Uh, but right, we don't talk, you know, about so-and-so had a breakdown or so-and-so had an issue with mental health. Like as I sit here, I can't even recall ever having that conversation. And, you know, I think what's also interesting as as people age, right, you know, like we talk about sort of our, well, we are different generations, but sort of like, you know, whether younger being in school or sort of like, you know, mid-career, and then there's also as people age, right, you know, like I've heard a couple of comments um, that have been made, 
you know, by older folks. And it's like, wow, don't even think about like depression and end of life and, and how that can cause anxiety and concern. So I think it is interesting that at our various stages of life, there are, you know, issues and concerns to think about for mental health. I wouldn't say that there was a particular particular stigma against it, but it, it, again, it seems like to be this thing that just wasn't talked about. And so when I start do, started doing, you know, stress management and became a certified stress management coach, you know, my parents know what I do and we'll, we'll talk about it, I guess, again, sort of, sort of still from the professional level, but not necessarily specifically into like, how are you feeling about certain things? And, and part of that is also probably me I'm private so like you're saying like I I don't I'm probably opposite of you Wendy where I don't necessarily open up to my parents about everything so that I guess is also part of it too right like how much do we share with people within our families versus that we share with professionals or that we share with friends um, but I know that in the African-American community at least there are some stigmas around um, mental health and you know there are all the slang terms which I guess go across other ethnicities as well you know like well if you call someone cray cray like they're just right so like we have these sort of derogatory statements or you know uh, but we don't necessarily talk about what are the challenges the real challenges and, and, and speak about it in ways that people can feel safe about bringing what's going on with them there, I would say there's a huge stigma around the community that I come from. Mm -hmm. And so in 1991, there was a war that broke out in Somalia. And a lot of people were affected from the civil war and migrated to, a huge population migrated to Minnesota. And most people were affected with PTSD, depression, anxiety, to migrate from your country into a new one and leave everything behind and see your home destroyed and everything has a huge impact on your mental health. And so I feel like a lot of people had to sit here and assimilate so they couldn't deal with their issues up front. And so it passed on generational. And then suddenly like their kids are seeing like these signs and they can't necessarily like recognize it, but then they start to see it within themselves. And as like they grow older, they recognize that as being depression and anxiety and PTSD. And because of the fact that they grew up watching their parents never necessarily deal with it right away, they don't know how to deal with it themselves. And most times, like elders within the Somali community never faced it because they have this mistrust with like healthcare, like um, professionals. And there goes like the stigma within that. And then they try to sit here and implement religion with mental health where they would try to pray the sad away. And that never really works because it's not something like, yeah, granted, like prayer will work and everything, but this is like a chemical imbalance in your brain. So you do need professional help. And so I feel like when it comes to me personally, I never dealt with like my mental illnesses right away because I didn't feel like I had the right outlets and I didn't know which which way or how to deal with it. And I felt like I, as an adult was when I started to recognize the huge stigma around my community. But I would say like on a positive note that throughout the years, the youth have started to recognize it and are trying to implement ways to, you know, 
kind of go like head on and deal with these mental um, illnesses and you know kind of sitting here and talking about it is a huge way to combat this too and keeping like that conversation going of like, it's okay to sit here and deal with depression it is okay to sit here and deal with anxiety that doesn't mean you're weak that doesn't mean that you're less than like you are still who you are but you are who you are dealing with like these mental illnesses yeah i would say it's similar in african-american communities i think when we because another aspect to what we're talking about or maybe underlying some of this when we think of things like institutionalized racism or things like that that people encountered and it is interesting so when you think generations of people you know uh, african-americans here in this country going back and sort of thinking about what you were allowed to say or how you were allowed to say it or who you could talk to or who you couldn't talk to or where you could sit or where you couldn't sit, right? All of these things that then get internalized, whether, you know, whether it was your grandmother or your mother or your father, and then having reactions to things and not knowing where they come from. So for example, I have done EFT, emotional freedom technique or tapping workshops with you know, primarily groups of say, you know, African-Americans or other or other people of color. And when we do group sessions, like all sort of, um, although I think in this group, we could all probably relate to it. Like I remember we were doing a tapping session and I was like, one of the statements that came to mind to tap around was, um, you'll always have to be twice as good in order to succeed. And everybody was like, oh my God, like we have these things that are coming through us and we don't even know where they come from, but it is based in history. And so there's that sense of how do we do the intergenerational healing? Um, like you're saying, so creating spaces where you know, younger generations are able to feel comfortable and then also supporting our elders because you're right. Yeah, they didn't get to talk back, if you will, whatever you want to call it. Or then if they had experiences, then that might, they might bring that home and then, then that gets, you know, projected onto the kids and that, you know, falls through generations. So I think there are, are lots of ways now with these kinds of conversations that we can begin to heal and there is the adage right you know like once you heal one person we are actually kind of healing healing many of us yeah i think definitely nowadays in current generations things like either globalization and like internet and just a wider access to more resources like there's apps to help you with meditation now like the younger generation is definitely given more opportunity to actually understand and deal with and have this conversation but I definitely feel like if you follow the stigmas in, at least in like the Korean community or Korean American community, uh, as I kind of said before, it's either not addressed because it's just seen as not being a thing, like mental illness isn't really huge illness or it's, it's just a side effect of a physical illness or like they focus more on the symptoms that you show, like your behaviors that may be from mental illness like if you're going through depression and you're acting a certain way the focus is more on why are you acting that way rather than what might be going on inside and so i guess like the more common thing at least until like maybe 10 years ago five years ago three years ago would be give you the antidepressants to be just not necessarily to give you through therapy and to help you through it but because you're acting differently and you you need to like get back to quote unquote yourself but I'm thankfully now the discussion is more open and it's being it is being recognized as something that is real. But 
before that it was just seen as mental illness just isn't really a thing. I think it's great that we're talking about mental awareness, especially in this generation, because it gives me more confidence that following this generation, it's going to be more talked about and it's going to be made more obvious to future generations. And now it's not something we hide necessarily, but something to address and not be the elephant in the room. Because I know that for me, the generations after me are going to be more comfortable talking about how they feel or the stresses or anxieties or the depression that they may feel from things that happen in life. And it's not something that they have to hide from the people in their lives. So it's great that we're having this kind of conversation in this time. So going off of that, what advice would you give to others to protect their well-being and overall mental health if they encounter similar challenges? For me, I would say to know your own limits and your own boundaries. How far can you push yourself and actually be able to control yourself? And when is your tipping point? I feel it's really important to explore yourself in that you have to know how much, what's the difference between being stressed out versus having anxiety? Because having a healthy amount of stress is good for you. It pushes you to be a better person. But if you push it too far, then then it's that's where the problem stems. So I think exploring and understanding yourself, um, starting from within, and understanding how much you can take without like harming your own mental health, and also I would say to find your own outlets. What makes you feel like? How do you get rid of stress? For me, it's to watch something funny. Like for me, laughter is really important. It's something that really helps me get over the stress that I have, even from schoolwork or from personal life. If I can find something to laugh about, that's like my own kind of medicine. So I'd say know your own boundaries and what helps you relieve stress. Yeah, I think so much about, I would say, it, try not to compare your, like where you are now and maybe your progress towards your mental health if you do start trying to work on it like don't compare your progress to someone else's or or how their their coping methods with yours and maybe it works for them and maybe they're it seems like they're doing really well and you want to try it it's fine to try it like that being said don't be like oh that might not work for me and just don't try it just try you can try different things because you never know what will work for you just once you try it have faith in it and trust in it even if it's not necessarily it's not going to happen in one snap. Like, it's not like the next day you're going to wake up and suddenly be free. Like, there's going to be days where it hits back full force or days where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm good today. And it's, that's totally fine because there's a day where you feel suddenly back to square one. That doesn't mean you're back at square one because each day is a step in, one, in the right direction. And I would also say, I guess this is my coping method is – to block out a specific time to schedule, actually put in my schedule a specific a specific block of time that I call me time, where I can use it, if I want, I can use it to study or I can use it to hang out with friends or I can just use it to be by myself. And if someone asks me, hey, can you do this for me? I can with confidence say, I'm sorry, I have something to do then and be without guilt and know that that time is for me. That's awesome. I love that. 
I, I'm going to go on the if you do seek help side of this because I want to connect it back to what we were talking about earlier, which is the theme of our different identities. And so I feel like finding support, care, resources that support your various identities. Um, we, usually, we usually say that as culturally competent, but I feel like it's not just culturally competent, right? Because identity goes across many different paradigms. So whether that's gender, race, ethnicity, religion, um, orientation, all of those things. So when you're looking for that kind of support for your mental health and well-being, ensuring that the resources and or the people, the coach, the counselor, the therapist, is aware of your identities and you know so making sure that that conversation or that support doesn't then really make you feel worse because that person isn't aware right you're walking in saying i got stressed because of a microaggression at work and they don't know what microaggression is right like, so it then that might make you feel like oh now you feel like well maybe it's me and i made that up and right so so the care and the support also needs to be able to uh, hold space for all of your identities. I think that that's really important. And I agree with what's been said so far. I would say my piece of advice um, to others facing um, similar challenges would be find someone to speak to, whether that's professionally or someone within like your inner circle that is able to just simply listen and empathize with the issues that you face it's okay to talk about the things that you go through. Uh, and then I would also, I guess, backpack, backpack off of everyone and say, like, finding that healthy outlet to express yourself because sometimes you are too scared to be vulnerable. So it's okay to be vulnerable through your poetry or art, um, any forms of way that, I guess, in a sense that um, allows you to demonstrate what you're feeling. Fantastic. I'm excited that we had another conversation for Let's Talk, and I hope that everyone listening got some tips and ideas from this episode, and look forward to our next conversation, and until then, this is Coach Colette helping you to start within to finish strong.